Hi, I'm Mark Harmon, and welcome to Bourbon Talk. I'm here with James Ebler, CTO of 3Wire. Yeah, and I'm a senior security engineer for Versa Network. So nice to meet you. And nice to meet you. What are you drinking? Looking forward to today. So today, you know, I went to uh, the ABC store. Of course, here in Virginia, you know, you can't go to Walgreens like you can in Arizona. So we're already talking stovepipe issues, right? So uh, today we've got a Virginia-made whiskey that has been stilled in a bourbon and red wine cast from Europe. So this is what we're going to taste today. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So the one thing that drew me to this was on the back of the container for this was a vision statement from the family. And uh, as we go through our customers, right, everybody needs a vision statement. And so I thought it was interesting. It's the first one that I saw that had a vision statement on it. That's awesome. Yeah. So what's important about a vision statement? Like to you, why? You know, vision statement, I think it really just tells direction, right? What you're trying to get to. And uh, I think if you don't have one, you go just round and round in a circle. On so, what's your aspect? I so, so agree. Yeah. I, I follow this author, and he uh, does speaking. His name is Simon Sinek. Okay. And he says, start with the why. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why is my company existing? Right. Right? And I truly believe that. If I'm not helping my customer accomplish something in that why, you know, there's the money, but come on. Exactly. You want more than that. So, cheers. Cheers to you. So, their vision statement said to make the best Virginia whiskey, or actually America whiskey. So, we'll see how Virginia's doing. That's not bad, actually. Ooh, smooth flavor, too. I like it. Did you get the. I did. It's got a little bit of uh, red wine taste at the very finish there. Oh, that's so, it. That's uh, which interesting. is interesting. Yeah. I never thought uh, doing whiskey in a bourbon barrel with red wine. Uh, would have that finish but so i want to go back to why right i can't buy whiskey okay alcohol in virginia at walgreens like i can in arizona right and i think it talks more about the stove top issues that we have or stove piped issues not topped issues that we have within the marketplace now Right. It's very similar, right? It is. It because, is. You know, you're checking a lot of boxes and you only could get it one way now because of all of that. And it limits you. It right? does. And it's inefficient. And I think they've have forgotten about customer experience, right? Right. So I think uh, as the market moves, and when I say market, the communications market, the IT market, as we start going towards customer experience we just got to make sure that we have open architecture and the ability to integrate multiple capabilities together now i hear versa right is uh, really good about open architecture and so can you explain a little bit of how if i'm a customer and i'm looking for let's just say let's utilize software sd wan right how does Versa take care of that integration problem or what I call white box, right? Can you be on white box or do you got to have a box of your own? If you right. could go with just a little quick intro about that. I mean, that. that's a very good, uh, you know, question because many customers have different investments. Right. And they don't want to have to throw away investments to run new software, right? Or have new capabilities. And every day, you know, there's a different checkbox that somebody comes up and says, you must, you know, have this type of license right. or this type of thing or a new mitigation and security, but software-defined 
frees us from that, hey, I need yet another stovepipe box. Right. So you're just stacking them up one by one and causing more limitations for your customer instead of solving solutions. So we implement a solution that can be ran as a base operating system on white boxes, or it could be a virtual machine on your infrastructure, or it can be in any of the major cloud centers. And it operates on open standards as much as possible. So you think of OSPF, BGP, uh, IPsec, VXLAN, those standards, as much as possible, we're utilizing standards. So it's great that you guys have thought that up front. However, a lot of customers already have an SD-WAN solution, right? Now, whether it was a stovepipe pipe solution that got put in, you know, SD-WAN's all managed by a controller, right? Or the ability to be managed centrally. So how do you see us integrating possibly many manufacturers together into one, utilizing either one manager or multiple managers? Or how do you see that in the future? You know, I see it as it's necessary. You can't go into a customer and say, you can't use another vendor. Right. Right? That's, you know, That's old the old school, days of thinking. Right? right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And right. it, it really doesn't fly a lot to have that type of lock-in technology. You have to have open APIs where you can integrate. Yep. You have to have the capabilities, uh, like we have a capability of hosting a third-party VM. Okay. And kind of monitoring that third-party VM, we'll see if it's up or down or even a soft failure, and then what policy action, like in a software-defined world, right. to take when it fails. So let me give you an example, right? I'll give you a story. I went out to an island in the Pacific. Let's uh, say it starts oh. with a G, <laughs> right? The and, best one out yeah, there. You gotta and, stay a week before you can get off of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not many flights. <laughs> That's right. But the commander there is like, well, can you help me with my greatest enemy, right? Talking SD-WAN, and I'm thinking, oh, he's talking you know, right. adversary, yeah. uh, conversation, big country that starts with a C. And, uh, you know, it wasn't what he was worried about. He has a typhoon come in and he has to call all hands. Right. They get all on keyboard and they're all working all weekend, changing metrics, getting into router configs and things like that. And I said, hey, you don't have to do that anymore. What if you had a policy, software defined policy that said, oh, when this circuit gets lossy, I want to enable forward air control. Oh, I don't want to use it if it gets 20% or greater loss. I want to use something else. And then you're just refining your policy when a typhoon comes in. You're not calling all cars. That's the age that we should be living in. We need people to think like that. We need to think bigger than right. just checking some boxes to go to one liquor store <laughs> uh, instead of ha thinking about customer experience. So as you go, as we go down that path, right, you meant, you said something about policies changing, right, just to typhoons coming in and having somebody have to come in. Do you think we'll get to a point where we can utilize some, maybe some machine learning or some artificial intelligence to make those changes for us? And then we just look to ensure that it's what we want it to do before we execute? Or do you think it'll always be human policy made? I think it's both. Okay. Right. Uh, we have machine learning AI in our platform right now, and you can do some really neat things like have a chatbot say, this side is down, why is it down? And it really captured the expertise of someone else, yeah. right, of a human. That's right. what that machine learning did, and is applying it to this junior engineer that's, you know, talking to the chatbot. So what we really need to focus on, and this has been a problem 30 years in my career, is IT, networking and security and all the above 
gets more and more complex every day. But we have less and less engineers to fix those problems, right? To learn all the different, you know, complexities. Right. So we need to capture that expertise and make it available and easy to use for others. If you think about this, we do this with everything, right? right. If you want to be a veterinarian, you just go, hey, yeah, I'll just take the test. No, you break it down to little pieces, right? little courses, little lessons in those courses, right? And then over four years or seven years, like however long it takes you, you become a vet. So you can have the same thing and in software. Yeah, so you bring up a valid point, right? So everybody's worried about AI taking over jobs. I think what we need to really think about, right, is how do we leverage AI to make us humans a little smarter and have that expertise that you're talking about, right? Right. Um, and I think uh, if we thought about that in that perspective, right, there would be a lot of good brought to the IT community and not so many people worried about, am I going to have a job five years from now? Right. As we transition, so as we've talked about what I say, the architecture, the network, SD-WAN portion, which is all software defined, we talk about utilizing AI and ML, right? There's one factor that I think we both know that probably should be baked in. I like to bake it in up front, which is the security factor, right? Sure. And so how do we, back to your checkbox point, right? I mean, right now, security is a checkbox. I got to be compliant in X, Y, and Z no risk, right? And so how do we get that balance to where it's not just a compliance sheet, right? But I'm actually making decisions off where I can take the risk in the network, right? Whether I can take it on the SD-WAN side or whether I can take it on the software side. How do we, how do we really balance that? You know, I have some thoughts of how to do that, but it's a very controversial topic right. because everybody has their little favorite acronym, you know, three letter acronyms. Oh, we yeah. have tons of them in right. security. You know, zero trust is, is a huge buzzword and everything like that. But it comes down to technologies that mitigate risk. Right. And I think the end game is when the CISO or when it goes to the C-suite, that they're actually showing that risk, maybe even, you know, down to the dollar amount. Right and showing the mitigation and the dollar amount that it costs to mitigate. So we never even think of those terms in the security uh, world. We're like, there's a threat and we must mitigate it with another, yet another box, right. and then yet another box. And we don't know what that happens into the operation teams. If you've ever been to the operation team, they go, we got this alert. We investigate the alert for three weeks and we still don't know what happened. That's common in the security industry, believe right. it or not. So, and that's not good, yeah. right? So really, we should look at it as if there's alert, this is real and it's actionable and we're mitigating it, how? And so I think that we've gone away from that and we've got into our three letter acronyms, yeah. kind of in the marketing sales world. It's our fault. It's right. our fault in the industry. Everybody that's injured, the customers, the vendors, the resellers. But I think we need to get back to what you said, the risks and the mitigations to mitigate those risks and be able to communicate that effectively in terms of maybe dollar amount up to the C-suite. It's a great point on key verbiage being utilized today, right? Which is zero trust, right? right? Everybody utilizes zero trust. I can tell you that I no longer, any panels I sit on, I no longer talk zero trust. I talk about it as, as a security ecosystem. Because if we would just understand the ecosystem holistically, I think, you know, right now, zero trust is the, the big bling right now, right? So everybody and their brother can do zero trust when you really pull the onion back. 
Yeah, they nobody, do part of it. That's right. They that's do part right. of it, right? So it is a multi-vendor yeah. solution, and everybody likes to talk about it because it is on the hype cycle. But truthfully, it's a tool in the toolbox. Yep. You need a lot of tools in security to get everything done. And so it brings me back to your point of like asking about what about security. If you have something valuable to protect and risk, you're going to need a lot of those tools. So Versa, you know, we believe that if any network worth having, you're going to have to have top of the industry security with it. So however you may accomplish that, you want to go back to the tenets of, hey, keep it simple, make it understandable, and communicate those risks and mitigations higher up. So going back, so everything's software defined, right? So it's all via software or application. And we talked about securing that, right, at the software layer, but there's a lot of data ingestion there, right? And so the output is a lot of data, and we house that centrally normally somewhere. From my perspective, right, if we don't start securing the data first, that's what the adversaries are really wanting, right? I mean, they're really wanting the data. So how can we do that in a software, I'm going to say software first world, right? Because I think that's what we're really starting to, to see here. So how do, we, how do we ensure that we're thinking about that as we, as we go down this path? Or your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, my thoughts is like the risk needs to be identified, okay. whether that's through scanning or through I know where my source code is. Right. So that's at Versa, one of the things that we're going to protect the most is our source code, right? Uh, your company, it may be a database that has all your customer contacts in it. Isn't right. that important to you? It is. So if your Very adversary so. has right. that, they're calling those, li those lists and saying, right. yeah, you know, maybe you should come over here, right? right? So you want to protect that. That's your risk of, for you is, yep. is your, uh, you know, your contacts yeah. and, and your relationships where my risk is my source code. Well, it's my highest risk, but there's many other risks. I have contacts too, right? So we start there and we need to have it automated and tied into the security and tied into the network. And it's simple to understand for everybody and, and view. And so like we talk about capturing senior right. engineers. I'm not talking about BGP metrics and, right. and things like that. I'm talking about, you know, human, communicable, you know, like, yeah. hey, if someone gets this, we're done as a company. It will cost us X million dollars, right? That's what I'm talking about. So looking at the human factor, because you brought up engineers, right? Do you think we'll ever get to a unicorn, right? I mean, so as I was growing up, right, 25 years in the Army, you had your network guys, and that's all they cared about. You had your application individuals, and that's all they cared about. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where it will be one individual that cares about the network and data at the same time? I'm not saying it's not out there now, uh, but I, I don't think we have a lot of those unicorns thinking of data and network at the same time. I don't think it, it exists very much today. You know, there's always an exception right. to the rule, but I haven't seen a lot of it. Sometimes the groups don't even talk. That's so <laughs> I, I've been in a meeting where I've introduced the same company, right. this team to this team, and I'm a third party and I'm introducing them together. That's a problem, right? But I don't think that one guy is going to know everything because we're going to get more and more complex. Yeah. So that's why it's important to have these specialists capture it into a system so that another guy from another department yeah. can look at that and understand what he's trying to do. We do this with so many other technologies. I remember learning programming in the 90s, right? right? Or late, late, late 80s. 80s. Yeah. And uh, 
it was very monolithic programming. Right. Right. Just top down, you know, everything and like class libraries and things like that we have today really changed the game. It back to the veterinarian conversation. Right. It, they broke it down to little pieces, made it easy to understand. So if I have a security rule that's named block these country codes, <laughs> even somebody who's not an engineer right. could understand where I'm doing something and can go in there and say, oh, I need to mitigate a risk for another country or, you know, hey, this country is no longer a risk and add them back. So if you've organized like that, instead of a configuration in a network yeah. device that's 250,000 lines, which I've saw, then you're winning, right? That's what, that's the integration game. It's really, I'm not knowing everything, but I can utilize what another engineer, a specialist in another area has accomplished. But going back to the customer experience, right? So right now, most of our customers, I think, have some of the same problems we do, right? Or a lot of the same problems. They have a whole series of network individuals that aren't collaborating with the data individuals, right? And I think that's where I'm hoping, right, as we implement software to find, we're bringing it together, I think, a little bit at that point. Now, that it's a long ways to go, but I think we're bringing it together. How do you think that we can, you know, from Three Wires perspective, right, we go in, we're consultants, uh, we talk about what we can do, how we can integrate things together to where the customer doesn't have to do it. But how do we start talking about helping them collaborate internally, sort of like you were talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. And how do we, I mean, that's a different conversation, right, is how do you tell them that they're their robes undone, but without telling them their robes undone, right? That's saying, hey, you got to collaborate more so the network individuals know how to make the network and allow this data to flow on it, right? Right. Um, it, it's not a new problem. Yeah. It's a 30-year problem. And I think it's just IT maturity that they didn't have the tool. Yeah. It's our responsibility, uh, the vendor community and the integrator community to enable them to easily communicate back and forth, even though they're speaking a different language. Something like Google Translate for engineers. Right. Right? I'm speaking security, you're speaking networking, but we have to work together. Exactly. And one of my mentors back in the day said this, this is great, said it's not rocket science. Yeah, we can figure it out. But one bit in the wrong place and it all blows up. She was so true. Yeah. Right? It's real true. So especially with security or networking, yep. it ain't going to work if... Uh, You've got it misconfigured. And when it comes down to the brass tacks of risk and the mitigation, a lot of the risk lies in the human error still. So the software-defined world and the tools and getting the expertise and getting multiple people to look at that expertise is key to reducing human error. Yeah, and I think as we integrate that together, right, my old boss uh, at the Pentagon had a saying, right, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And so I think us normal IT guys as we grew up, right? We've got to be comfortable speaking data, which takes a little different, right? Because you're now not talking to an IT person normally on applications. It's normally an application owner or an operations guy, right? Or gal. And uh, I think that's going to be hard to do, right? And as we mature our workforce behind you and I, right? We are, we're always looking who's taking our spot, right? right. Uh, I want to make sure, I think we need to make sure that they understand that you can't stovepipe yourself into one of these disciplines like you and I did back in the days, right? Of course. And now we're, we're 50-somethings and we're trying to... I'm passionate about it because, right. you know, like, if you follow Mark Harmon yeah. from a device, that junior engineer, 
he should be able to figure right. out what he did. I shouldn't throw away my work. And so I think that's a you know great ending topic, yeah. right? Is like if we think like that all the time, like you're out here and we talked about vision and things like right. that. We're trying to accomplish something, but if we throw it away in the end, what have we accomplished? We want to pass it on. We want that to be you know intellectual property for our company, right? So and if I we don't, we're going to fall behind all our I think adversaries out there. I think so. it's a big, you know, important thing no. to uh, accomplish that vision. No. Appreciate your yeah. time today. Me too. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been fun.